So I figured last week I <clears throat> preached on Mary, our mother. So this week I'm going to preach on our patron, St. Joseph. Last, I think it was last year or the year before I had the men of this parish in the surrounding area do the consecration to St. Joseph. And it was a book, basically followed a book by this priest. His name was Father Donald Calloway. And there were many things in that book that struck me about St. Joseph because we don't have a lot about him. We have some stories from tradition. We don't have a lot, you know, in the scriptures. He doesn't say anything in the scriptures, you know, he's silent Joseph. And so reading this book kind of gave me a new perspective on many different parts of his life. But the one that was most fascinating to me was that every paint, almost every painting or picture of St. Joseph depicts him as an old man. Why? People during the time of Jesus got married very young. So why is he always pictured as an old man? Even here. I mean, the birth of Jesus, Mary, you know, this young, vibrant, beautiful woman holding the baby. And Joseph, kind of balding, gray beard, walking stick because he's not stable on his feet. He's an old man. Why? And I think the main reason that we began to depict Joseph as an old man was to protect Mary's virginity. If Joseph's an old guy, he's not interested in that anymore. Right? Seriously. And that's the main reason he's depicted as an old man in nativity scenes, paintings, whatever. But basically, if we make Joseph old and weak, then we make him safe. If Joseph's too weak, he won't be a threat to Mary. But this has to be wrong. Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, even alluded to this when he said, basically, we would... It's foolish to think that he was an old, senile man. No offense to the elderly here, but an old man is not a really good protector. A young man is. <clears throat> old men, again, they, I mean, think about the early life of Jesus. He's got this murderous king out slaying children, and Joseph has to protect his family. He gets them out of town, through a desert, into Egypt, out of Egypt, through a desert, back into their homeland. Old men don't do that. Young men do. Young men do. And think about this mentality. I think this mentality has gone not only from our depiction of Joseph, but into our own culture. I've been working in schools most of my priesthood. And I've done everything I can to protect masculinity and to form young men. And to protect femininity and to try to form young women. But I see year after year, it's taking its toll more and more and more. The pressures of this culture, and parents, please hear this. Because sometimes I think I know more about your kids than you do. The pressures of this culture and community in which we live, with all of our wealth and prestige, with all of our achievement, comfort, and technology, is crushing our young men and women. There are so many pressures put upon them. Pressure to excel in school and sports. Pressure to constantly be in some type of relationship, no matter how young they are. Pressure to have the perfect body. Pressure to be the cool kid, no matter what it costs you. Or no matter how much trouble you get into. you got to stay on top. you got to be popular. Pressure to be sexually active early in life. Pressure to send inappropriate pictures of yourself to other people. Pressure to identify as some other gender because it's cool right now. And the list goes on and on and on. And in the recent past, we've had this toxic masculinity nonsense. The culture has proposed the best way to get rid of dangerous men is to make them weak. 
Because if they're weak, they'll be safe. Parents, if you're raising boys, you want them to be dangerous, not weak. And when I say dangerous, I don't mean reckless, just do whatever you want, no matter the consequences. What I mean, true strength, virtue, virtus is strength, manliness. What that means is that you take everything you got, all of your gifts, all of your talents, and you put them at the service of other people. That's true masculine strength. That's what Joseph did. But I feel like our culture has given three caricatures of what a man should be. Three, maybe more, but the first one I would call the bully, right? This is the big tough guy. He doesn't care about anything, anyone, doesn't, doesn't listen to authority, just does whatever he wants. The second one I would call, I'm kind of making these up, but I would call him the player. This is the man, or the young man who's just concerned about women. Hooking up, being with whoever he wants, doesn't care who he hurts. It's all about him anyway. The third one, I would call the slacker. He just plays video games and make TikTok videos. He doesn't really care. He's not doing anything dangerous, but he's not really doing anything at all. He's just a slacker. He doesn't do anything in school. He just bums around with his friends and he wastes his life. And that one, I think, is more common than any of them. And you know what's crazy is we've labeled these three idiots cool kids. These are the cool ones. The ones that hurt people. Those are the cool kids. Nobody's talking about the fourth way. And the fourth way is that of St. Joseph. To take all of your strength and put it at the service of others. To be as strong as you can, wise as you can, and use it to serve. I was thinking about this. I think that Joseph was chosen to be the foster father of Jesus because he was most like Jesus. And what do I mean by that? Here's some trivia for you. There is one one line in scripture where Jesus describes his personality. Does anybody know what that is? I would be very impressed if you know this. He says, I am. Now, he says, I am a lot of things. But one where he describes his personality, he says, I am this. Does anybody know? I know you don't. You don't. You're pretty young, though. He says, "I am meek and humble of heart." But here's the problem: we've taken meekness and humility and pers- and equated them with weakness. So I learned this this week. <clears throat> this is awesome. I think it's awesome. Maybe you won't think it's awesome. But to be meek, okay. If you have a stallion, like a wild horse, right? All this power and agility and just strength. If you tame that horse, break him, right? Is that's what they say in the horse world? If you break him or tame, you make the horse meek. Huh? No, nothing? Okay, so this is why I think it's great. In doing that, you don't take any of the power away from the horse. You don't take any of the ability away from the horse, any of the agility away from the horse. What do you do? You take all of that power and you focus it. And now it can do stuff that you can't imagine it could do. Before, it was a danger. It could kill you. Now, it's a quote-unquote workhorse. And that's what happened in Joseph. All of that skill, all of that wisdom, all of that love, all of that, it was all focused on service of God and his mother. And this is what men are called to be. 
And the devil knows this. And that's why he's relentlessly attacking men. And he's doing it in a couple ways. Because if he can destroy men, he will destroy the protectors of women. And if he destroys the protectors of women, he will destroy women. And if he can destroy men and women, he destroys the family. Which is his ultimate goal. So I'm a thief. I've admitted that. I steal stuff from people all the time. I heard this from a brother priest. I thought it was fascinating. It's weird, but it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating. In 1 Peter chapter 5, St. Peter labels the devil. He says the devil is a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him strong in your faith. Okay, he's a lion. This is what I learned. In a pride of lions. Maybe you know this. I didn't know this. In a pride of lions, there is an alpha lion. Right? The, the big dog. The big lion. Right? And he is, protects the pride. He's with all of the women. He's got total control. All of it. But there comes a time when the younger males challenge him. And this is how they do it. They literally walk up to him and throw a shoulder into him. This is just what men do. You're, gentlemen, you ever seen this? Like you walk by a guy, bam, he hits you in the shoulder. He wants a fight. So do the young lions. If the alpha decides to engage in this battle, they go to war. But here's what's fascinating. Weird, but fascinating. When they fight, they don't go for each other's throats. They don't go for each other's guts. They go for a very specific place on a male lion. I think you know what I'm talking about. That will take away his power as the alpha male. Because they know. The, the, the animal world knows this. If you can't father, then you can't protect. And you're out. And a new one will take your place. Because once you lose that, you lose your manhood. I think right now, you guys, that the devil is prowling like a roaring lion. And he's coming after men, and he's coming after them in a very specific way. Two specific ways. He's doing it through the epidemic of pornography and through use of contraception in the family. Two ways you will destroy masculinity. Why? Because first, what are men called to do? Protect women. What is pornography about? Abusing women. Second, what is being a man about? It's about being a father. What is contraception about? Taking away fatherhood. Two ways in which you destroy men. Because you're not, being, you're not doing what you're called to do. So, young men. I know many of them. Many middle-aged men. Many old men. Who've had their strength ripped away through these two. I Google, just quick Google search, because whenever I want like absolute truth, I Google something, right? But I Googled just very quick. I said, just how many men watch pornography? 87% of college age men reported to watch it daily or weekly. 87%. I also Googled how many married men use contraception? 90%. On top of that, more than 500,000 married men every year will have a vasectomy. Almost 90% of our men have been more or less castrated in our society. These men have had their faith stolen through pornography, 
It's taken them away from their families and their church. The shame associated with that sin has kept them outside of those doors for far too long. And contraception has made them more focused on pleasure and the world than on fatherhood. Because the devil is a prowling lion looking for someone to devour and take away their masculinity. And these evils have completely emasculated our young boys, rendered our middle-aged men more ineffective and powerless. We're raising a generation of bad men and broken women, and we know it. And we're not doing anything about it. We're giving them phones younger and younger and younger. We're being overpowered by the culture. But we just keep giving in to it. You know, during the snow days, I was a little bored, as I'm sure some of you were. And on TV came a movie that I really like and haven't seen for a long time. It was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, it's touching. You know, it's a nice little movie. But there's, what struck me was the end of that movie. Do you remember the end of the movie? Right? Willy Wonka is furious at his desk. Because every child had taken advantage of him. He thought for sure that there was one, maybe just one kid, who had character and honor, believed in who they were. And that's what he says to the grandpa, right? He's like, you win nothing. Good day, sir. I love that line. And Charlie walks up with the everlasting gobstopper, sets it on his desk, and walks away. Why? Because despite the bad decision he made, he wanted to show Willy Wonka that he had honor and character, and they were more important to them, him than what he would have gained. Remember, Mr. Slugworth was going to give him $10,000, pull his whole family out of poverty. But for Charlie, it meant more to be a man of integrity than to have money, prestige, and power. And the greatest line of that movie is when Willy Wonka puts his hand on that everlasting gobstopper and says this line. I love it. So shines a deed, a good deed, in a weary world. How we long for good men performing good deeds, who are more concerned about character, integrity, honesty, virtue, than they are about what people think of them, how much money they have, how much success they have. Gentlemen, Look to St. Joseph. Try to live differently than what the world is telling you. He's our model. He's our patron. He's the man of all men. Let us follow his example. Maybe, just maybe, we will slowly win back what has been taken from us. Our masculinity. St. Joseph, pray for us. And restore us who we were called to be. Men in Christ. Men of the church. And men, ultimately for others.